Hi, this is Pastor Daniel Bracken. You're listening to Kings Alaska podcast. I hope the word encourages you and you get a touch from God that brings transformation and equips you to experience life with people, power, and purpose. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the word. Matthew chapter nine, would you stand with me, please? Matthew's the first book in the New Testament, the ninth chapter. Go down, if you would, to verse 35. Matthew 9. If you're all there, say, woo! Very good. Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news. What kind of news? Good news of the kingdom and healing every disease. How many diseases? Every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, when he what? When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, not unlike Many people I saw yesterday, like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the grace of God upon our lives. All that you've done yesterday, what you're doing now, what you did in the first service. I pray, Holy Spirit, lead, guide, and direct. Do all that you want to do, I pray, in this service. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. When you look at this scripture, you can't come away from it without noticing many things. But I think the thing that jumps out to me at the most is this compassion because he had compassion. He saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Compassion, love of God. If you look through scripture, you'll see parables. And uh, you can go to all the parables and, and look and read them. They're, they're fictitious stories that teach some truth. And parables hide truth from casual observers. And we've said it so many times before, but he, he reveals truth to those who are hungry. Those who are hungry and thirsty get filled, but those who don't care. You see, God's not obligated to touch you. God's not obligated to do anything for you today at all. But when you come hungry, when you come thirsty, when you come with faith and you ask God to move in your life, you draw near to him, he will respond in kind by drawing near to you. And he will speak to you, and he will bring revelation to you, and he'll bring healing to you. But if you fold your arms and, and hang your head and just be like, I can't wait till that white boy shuts up so I can go and eat lunch, then you're not probably going to get much out of this service. Can I say white boy in here? I am one, so I think that'd be all right. No, God hides, hides truth from casual observers. And in the parables, you'll see that he, 
He does all these amazing miracles and it's compassion over and over and over. We serve a loving, compassionate God. I said, we serve a loving and compassionate God and he's for you. I want you to say God's for me. Yeah, he's not against you and he's not out to punish you. He sent his only son to be punished in your place. Some of you need a spanking. Key word here, verse 36, is he had, saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Parables like Luke 15, the prodigal son. He says to his father, the father represents God and the prodigal son represents us. The older son who stays back also represents a certain group of people within the church. Or the prodigal son, he says to his father, can you just give me everything you're going to give me when you die? So, you know, my inheritance, I'd like it now. I'm just putting it in plain English. Give me what, give me what, you, owe, what you were going to give me because I really don't care if you're alive anymore or not. I just want my stuff. So he gets his stuff and he goes to Vegas. He ends up feeding the pigs. He goes to the, the deepest, darkest place a Jewish boy could go. Totally void of God living among Gentiles because Jews don't tend pigs. So you just understand from a Near Eastern perspective what happened. And then it says in verse, well, we're in Luke chapter 15, verse 20. So he got up and went to his father. He thought to himself, he thought to himself, my, my father's servants have more than this. I should just go home. Great thought. And so he got up and he went to his father, verse 20 of Luke 15. The why was still far away off. His father saw him and filled with compassion. Filled with compassion for him. He ran to see his son and threw his arms around him. From a Near Eastern perspective, a Jewish man, first of all, a father wouldn't run. It's a picture of disgrace. It's a picture of shame. It's, it's below him. It's, it's, it's not a dignified thing to see a Jewish man, an elder, run. That's not what they would do. Somebody else can run and get it. That's why when you see Abraham chopping wood, it's very unusual. And when you see this story, this story telling about God, what God's like, he's, he's looking afar off, looking for someone who would come to their senses and turn towards him and come back home so he would just run after you and wrap his arms around you. God, the Father's like that. He's a loving, compassionate God. Can you say yes? And he would have to hold up his, his garment. He would have to hold up his, his garment around his waist in order to run. All right, I'm not cross-dressing here. <laughs> I think I've gained some weight. So in order to run, come on, all of you ladies know what I'm talking about. You need to run. You're going to have to hike your skirt up. Am I, am I correct? You got to get it. Do you get the idea? The idea is he'd have to pick up his garments and run, exposing his thigh. Don't Go ahead and get it out of your system. <laughs> he'd have to lift up his garment and run. And it's a picture of shame. It really is a picture of Jesus hanging there. He didn't have a loincloth. I don't think Jesus had a loincloth. He was totally naked. Shame, full shame. 
While he was so far off, he saw his son had compassion. I mean, ran towards him, wrapped his arms around, ran towards him to protect him from the neighbors who would perhaps stone him for the disgrace that he brought on his family. Jesus tells these parables like the Good Samaritan. Look at that one. Go backwards, five chapters, Luke 10. The Good Samaritan. Samaritans were, were considered half-breeds, and there was a lot of prejudice in the first century. So a Samaritan, you, never, you, never had, you didn't have any fellowship with a Samaritan. You didn't go to Samaria. That's why when it says that Jesus, that he had to go to Samaria, is just mind-boggling to the disciples because Samaria was a place that was considered off-limits. Rabbis would go around. If you had to get to the other side of Samaria, you would go around instead of go through. That's how much you hated it. Why? Well, Sanballat, others, Nehemiah's time, they were Samaritans. Samaria was a group of people that was a mixture of culture. When Israel went off to captivity for 70 years, Babylon would mix cultures in to totally destroy a people group. And so they would mixture, make a mixture of Jews and other people that they integrated, and they had this composite religion that was kind of mixed, messed up, messed up. And so when Jesus is talking about this compassion and he's sharing with the one who, you know, the priest walked over on the other side and the Levite walked over, all the religious people that should have reached out but didn't want to get defiled, didn't want to interrupt their priesthood, didn't want to spend the time. A Samaritan who's considered a dog took the man who was beaten and half dead in that parable, the parable of the good Samaritan. And he, and he bandages him, and he puts in the, the oil and the wine, and he restores him. It's a picture. Let me read it to you. Verse 33 of Luke 10. But the Samaritan on his journey came to him, and when he saw the man, he had compassion. This is what God has on you and me. When I, when I think about, when I think about Dave, Dave Simmons, the compassion that God had on him, when I think about my own life and the compassion he's had on me, and I look out at all of your beautiful faces today. We need God's compassion and mercy. So he said, no, we need justice. Oh, you don't want that. You, you don't want that. Oh, I want justice. No, I would highly advise you ask for mercy. Justice! And it's not that we don't stand for justice. We do. But thank God that justice was served in Jesus dying on a cross for your sin and mine. Because that, that, that's really the mercy and the compassion of God. Over and over and over, Jesus was moved with compassion when he fed the 5,000, when he fed the 4,000. All the things that Jesus did was moved by the love and the compassion of God. He was compelled by that. Let me ask you, what is it that compels you? Money? What is it that moves you? Fame? Pleasure? What is it that moves you? What are you motivated by? What motivates you? All these things, the basis of Jesus' ministry, Luke 7 now, was love, compassion, mercy. Matthew, Mark, Luke, chapter 7. This is a picture of where we're at today, I believe, in our nation. Luke 7, if you're all there, say amen. Go down to verse... 11. Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. 
as he approached a town gate, listen closely now, a dead person was being carried out. The only son of his mother, and she was a widow. So understand what he's saying. It's a hopeless, brutally difficult situation. I just got back from a funeral in Seattle, a 35-year-old young man who left behind a wife of the approximate age, a seven-year-old son and an 11-year-old daughter. It was the greatest, I mean, it was a four-hour celebration of life. They'd lost their ever-loving minds and ate so, I ate so much food, I'd straight backslid from my keto, whatever it is. Celebrating Samoans. They know how to celebrate, I'm just telling you. Food, endless food. It was, I don't know that I've ever been to a funeral like that. The casket was open, and, and they, there was lots of fellowship before. Then they're like, okay, we're going to close the casket. They close the casket. There's worship for 45 minutes, three different preachers of which I was one. Then when we finished, we prayed. Then they reopened the casket. You ever seen it? Have you ever been to a funeral? We're like, let's open it again. Let's open it again and say goodbye again. You know, knowing he's not there, but it's just this whole process. And it was very sad for the widow, this man's wife. Never been a sick a day in his life, and he just got snatched. You know, I need to say this. I heard when I was there, it alluded to, oh, God took him. Can I just punch that in the face for a second? Yeah, because who, you want to tell me who's going to serve a God who takes people in the prime of life? Now, I, I do believe there's judgment, and I do believe that can happen, but I, in this case... It's the enemy that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Well, how could the devil get through when we pray? I don't know. But I'm not going to attribute death to God because that's not in my Bible. I don't see that. He raises the dead. He heals the sick. He sets the captives free. So what do you do with that? What do you say to a 7-year-old and 11-year-old whose dad is now gone? Well, I think you would say what I felt like the Lord told me to say. This is not God who took your daddy. But your daddy's in heaven. You serve him. You'll see him later. And don't ask why. I'm going to help you. Don't ask why. We had somebody die today connected to our church. They're online mostly. I don't even think they've ever been in the building. They're online. We've been praying for them. And COVID took them today. That's not God. And so it's easy it's easy to say, why? Why, God? Why? You say, what do you know, Pastor? Well, I lost a son. I know a little bit. Maybe, maybe you know more about grieving. But I will tell you this. Why is in the, one of the most tormenting demonic questions that you should never ask? Don't even ask it. Because you don't know much. Your finite mind can't figure out much. Neither can mine. Mine's probably smaller than yours. My mind is probably smaller. We, we really, we, we don't understand much. So, I mean, even if God was to explain it to you, I don't think we would have a capacity to really understand. So what do you do with why? You don't ask why. You ask what? Where does that come from? My favorite scripture, this is for somebody. I feel the Holy Ghost. My favorite scripture is 1 Samuel 30 regarding that grief. David at Ziklag, three days before he's coronated king a place called Ziklag. It's like a town, basically, that was given to him. 
David is a, was a shepherd boy that was, became royalty, and, and he was going to become the next king. It's a story in the Old Testament for Samuel. And he comes back to his town where his wives and his, and his children were, and all of his warriors were with him, and the whole town is torched. Everybody's gone, and for, for as much as they know, everybody's dead. And they're tired and weary and they just want to blame David and they start blaming David and they talked of, you know what, let's kill David because this is horrible. This never would have happened if we weren't with him. Blame shifting, blaming is common what people do when they're grieving and they're hurting. They want to point the finger and say, if it was a doctor, it was a hospital. And in this particular case with the hospital, there's some things that maybe didn't happen quite right. You know, they're just practicing medicine. You do understand that. They're practicing. And I do believe that there are evil people out there, but mostly I think people enter into the practice of medicine to to help people. Some other things going on that concern me, but let me move on. It's easy to point for this 35-year-old boy, 35-year-old boy, mama crying, to point at the hospital, to point at the doctors, to point at COVID, to point at China, to point at all kinds of stuff. Are you, are you following me? That's not what David did. You know what David did? It says, and David inquired of the Lord. He says, okay, God. He, he encouraged himself in the Lord. It's worth going to look at. First Samuel 30. He encouraged himself in the Lord. Let me ask you, do you know how to do that? Most people don't know how to do that. You need to lay hands on yourself sometimes. Sometimes you need to tell yourself to shut up. I've done it multiple times throughout the last week. Or I start hearing this yap in my head. Oh, I'm like, hey, shut up. Some of you just let those voices run in your head. Listen, you can't keep a bird from flying over your head, but you can keep it from making a nest in your hair. You have to contend. You have to fight. You have to pray. You have to... Take your thoughts captive. And so he encouraged himself in the Lord. I'd, I'd, I'd ask you to learn how to do that. If you don't know how to do that, just keep coming here. We'll teach you. Learn to call on his name and cry out and pray and, and let his presence come upon you. And then, you know, you can start thinking stupid again. You have to tell yourself to shut up again. And then you just lift your hands again and lay hands on yourself again and start praying and singing and start declaring. If God brought my Bible back, he can bring anything back. You know what I mean? You start testifying about what God's done. He encouraged himself. And then the second thing is he inquired of the Lord. He took the ephod and he called out to God. He said, God, what do you want me to do? Not why, 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 why? I know you're heartbroken. I'm not trying to mock you, but I'm saying do not ask why. You find out that later. And he says, what do you want me to do? That is the greatest thing you can do in the midst of loss and difficulty. God, what do you want me to do? What do I do now? And and what does God say to David? Pursue, overtake, and recover everything. Go ahead. Go, Go chase. Go chase after him. Go ahead. That's what I told that family to do, and that's what I'm telling you to do. God has compassion on you. No matter what you're going through, you're going to make it. Bump your neighbor and say, you're going to make it. Widow of Nain, hopeless situation. A widow lost her only son and her husband's dead. So it's one lone lady 
who has, and there's, come on, there's no, there's no, there's no food stamps. And we don't know how old she is, but there's no, there's no way for her to recover anything. And Jesus comes, a crowd of people following him. Why do they follow Jesus? Because he's got it going on. And I'm going to tell you, when Jesus is preached, when, if he be lifted up, he draws all men. Why is this place filled with people right now? Because something's happening. People are being healed. People are being touched. People are being encouraged. Discouragement and death. We drive out. We're part of a life crowd. This is what you see in our nation. You see two crowds. You see a crowd following Jesus that are full of life. And then you see the death, mourning, sad, fearful. What are we going to do? It's a world. Oh, 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 all hope is gone. What are you talking about? The one who is the source of all hope is here. His name is Jesus. And you see these two crowds. You see the death crowd. And I'm not trying to mock the mourner. I'm not trying to mock those who've gone through difficulty. I've been through my own. I just know this. When you stay connected to the one who's a source of life and compassion and love, you're going to make it. Come on, somebody say it. I'm going to make say I'm going to, I'm going to make it. And Jesus sees her and has compassion on her. And I want to say this to you. God sees you. He knows what you're going through. And he's an ever-present help in time of trouble. He raises the boy from the dead and hope is restored. He gives her back to his mother. The mother receives her son. I want to say this in closing as my worship team comes. God has has moved with what you're going through. He has compassion on you. He's not afar off as a deist would say. He didn't make creation like a, like a clockmaker would make a clock and wind it up and then let it go and watch it operate. That's not the God of Scripture. The God of Scripture, the God of the Bible, is a God who's actively involved in the affairs of men and women and children. God is on the throne. He's made a way for you. He made a way for me to receive comfort, to receive a help, to receive healing. Oh, there's no one like our God. There's no one like him. If you've come to this place in need, oh, you've come to the right place. Won't you fix your gaze upon him? Won't you lift your eyes to the hills where your help comes from? Your help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. All of the seen and unseen. He's a God of compassion, God of mercy. Thank you for your presence, God, here. Thank you for your goodness towards us. Holy Spirit, God, we need you. We long for you like a dry and a weary land where there's no water. We see the crowd of fear, loss, afraid of death. There's so many. That's not us. Not afraid of death. You took care of that. It's forever settled in heaven that power belongs to you. It's forever settled, God, that we are the flock in your care, the sheep of your pasture. And God, we're not going to yield to fear. We're not going to yield to that spirit of hopelessness that comes to try to wrap its nasty grip around us. No, no, no. All who came to you are healed. 
You're a God of hope. You're a God of blessing. You're a God of compassion. So we come, God, before you, and I pray now. I pray over this company of people, a binding of the assignment of fear. I take authority over you foul thing in the name of Jesus. You can't manipulate these anymore. I break your hold in the name of Jesus. I silence your foul voice in Jesus' name. And now by the authority vested in me as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, by the blood of the Lamb, by the authority of the name, I command fear to loose your hold from every single person here, every family, those online. In the name of Jesus, be free. Be free right now. Be free right now. Be loosed right now. Fear, go. Depression, go. Anxiety, I command you to go. Depression, shut up. In the name of Jesus. In the name. Well, I hope you were encouraged by God's word. Thank you again for listening to Kings Alaska podcast. God bless you. For more great content, go to kcalaska.com.